You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. The number one diagnosed cause of disability in the working population in the United States is chronic low back pain. What is it? How do we define it? What are the common causes? And can we treat it? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Dr. Marty Lanoff, a private practitioner in physical medicine and rehab and pain medicine in the Chicago suburbs. Marty is also an assistant clinical professor at Chicago Medical School and chairman of the Public and Professional Awareness Committee for the American Academy of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitative Medicine. Welcome to the show, Dr. Lanoff. Thanks for having me. Marty, help me understand what chronic back pain is versus acute back pain. When do we make the leap and call it chronic? There are a couple of different definitions. The most generally accepted is six months of lingering back pain. It's really a time-dependent phenomena. Some people used to say three months, but six months is pretty much the accepted norm. Versus acute, for instance, which is obviously less than that. Subacute is somewhere between around six weeks and six months. Marty, what are the common causes of chronic low back pain that you actually see day to day? That's a, a difficult question to answer. Gordon Waddell writes in his book, The Low Back Pain Revolution, which is a, a wonderful book that really goes into the evidence-based medicine behind back pain, notes that the majority of chronic low back pain has no physical diagnosis. There's no identifiable pathology. It's patients with continued functional deficits and subjective complaints, yet frequently lacking objective findings. One of the problems with our modern imaging studies today is you can have lots of false positive findings on doing plain films, MRIs, CAT scans, CT myelography. You'll see degenerative changes, bone spurs, bulging, protruding discs, yet they don't really scientifically correlate to symptoms. I want to cut to the chase. We are human beings. We are anxious creatures. We have big brains. Pain is felt in our brains. Why are we having chronic low back pain, Marty? Well, it's a tough call. Many, many Say it. Psychosocial issues are probably the major risk factors. There are five major risk factors for chronic low back pain. They include some very kind of strange-sounding causes, yet there's a myriad of literature to support this. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, sexual abuse, substance abuse in the patient themselves or immediate family. And the fifth is a little bit on the equivocal side, which is abandonment issues. It certainly is in the literature, but nowadays when 50% of people are divorced, there's lots of rampant abandonment. Job dissatisfaction issues in the work comp arena. Personal injury litigation patients do much more. Personal injury patients in the surgical arena will do more poorly if that is a risk factor. Depression and anxiety are just such a huge part of everyday chronic back pain. It's to the point where nowadays if you want to perform a study on low back pain patients, one of the risk factors that has to be equal in each group to make sure that the study is done appropriately is the presence of certainly age, sex-matched, activity level, for instance, but also depression. Depression is and anxiety are risk factors that patients with back pain do poorly. Everybody's seen the Cymbalta commercial where the patients are depressed and in pain. There's a, a huge correlation between what occurs in patients' lives and pain. In addition, Eugene Carrigy out of Stanford, a wonderful researcher, amongst others, notes that if someone has chronic low back pain, a major reason for a functional flare-up, a flare-up where the pain worsens and they cannot perform their functions, the majority of risk factors involved with a huge flare-up are psychosocial issues, stress-related issues, not physical activity or objective issues. It's amazing to me in my practice on Friday afternoons, there's a flurry of refill requests for Vicodin or Norco or whatever narcotic 
the patient happens to be on, and usually before a a three-day weekend, because usually that's when they're going to be with family members. Right. Well, there are two reasons one could think, Larry. One is that they're running short and they don't want to run out of the weekend. The other is lots of people, one of the most common misuse of pain medications isn't necessarily substance abuse. They're not trying to get a euphoric high. They're not trying to sell the stuff on a street corner. Many times the anti-anxiety component that lots of the opioid analgesics give patients are the reason that they take it. The question, of course, is, is the pain giving them the anxiety? Is the anxiety and depression that one has causing the pain? I searched for many years to try and find the answer to that and ultimately came up with what most multidisciplinary pain clinics have come up with, which is it doesn't matter. Treat the pain, treat the depression, treat the anxiety, treat the psychosocial issue, treat the job dissatisfaction issue if you can, and help the patient move on with their life. One must be certain that you've dealt with the objective pathology within the spine initially. You've got to make sure that that disc protrusion is gone. You've got to make sure that the three-level fusion of the lumbar spine that the patient had has healed appropriately. You've got to make sure that things are healthy and there's no nerve compression. Marty, it seems that you need to be a psychiatrist in addition to a physiatrist to treat these patients. Uh, otherwise, they're getting inferior care. One must understand the patient's life, their motivation, what can feed into their pain. Part of the pain medicine, I should say, board certification is the understanding of the psychosocial aspect of the chronic pain. I think that most physicians nowadays have to understand, have to be people persons, have to understand patients' motivations, what's going on in their lives. One should always ask the patient, What's going on? What's different? Is there something different at your job? Is there a different supervisor in your factory job that is increasing your production? Is there some unrest at home? Are there marital issues? Uh, do you have a history of depression or anxiety, and how does it manifest? Anyone who's watched The Sopranos and watched Tony Soprano pass out realizes that anxiety and physical issues. I never tell a patient it's all in your head. Patient's pain is very real. There's a, quite a difference between malingering and somatization. How do you sell it to them? How do you convince them that this pain is real, it is felt in your head, but it's coming from your back, but your, your life is making it worse? You have to be non-argumentative, non-punitive, non-combative. You have to explain to the patient, look, I know that you have pain. I believe that your pain, if, of course, you've exhausted all diagnostic alternatives, your pain is coming from the muscles. You show them on an examination how it's coming from the muscles. You push in the sore muscles. You stretch the sore muscles. You certainly have to do a diligent workup and make sure that there is nothing objective occurring. That being said, you tell the patient, you have muscle pain here. This is causing disability. It's causing pain, dysfunction in your life. It's turning your life upside down. What we've got to find out is why is it still there? Why won't it go away? Most muscle pain will improve with time. One of the studies, uh, it's got to be about 94 or so, there's a study out of Glasgow, Scotland. There were a bunch of centers, but I think the major one was in Glasgow, in an emergency room setting. If one could identify patients coming in with the acute first-onset low back pain, could identify a risk factor or a set of risk factors that will set this patient up to become the chronic low back pain patient, which is 85-90% of patients should improve within six to eight weeks with low back pain. Well, if you're going to be one of those chronic pain patients, what risk factors can we identify immediately and nip it in the bud? There is nothing identifiable in terms of mechanism of injury, age, any patient characteristic, any type of severity of injury, any objective findings on exam or imaging findings. But the unidentifiable risk factor was catastrophizing the injury. The fact that the patient came in and didn't say, boy, I'll hurt my back. When's it going to get better? But would come in and say, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm going to have to live the rest of my life like that. 
Of course, that begs the question, why did this particular subset of patients catastrophize immediately? That's where the risk factors come in. Job dissatisfaction, manipulation of one's environment. That's that's pretty common. When my son, who's now 16, was seven or eight, they had an after-school program where he would take a karate class. And every day he'd come home prior to going to karate, and he'd, one day it was my elbow hurt, the next day it was my stomach. And I'm in the biz, so I looked at him and I said, look, there's nothing going Doesn't on. Doesn't sound like you want to go to class. Right. And he leveled with us and said, well, I, I really don't like the teacher. And we dealt with that issue and moved on. But it's manipulating one's environment via one's pain complaints. And I'm sure you can have a number of patients popping into your mind that are the mom has chronic pain behaviors and the kids have to live near the home to take care of her. Or That's my entire practice, Marty. Some patients in some populations in some cities, that seems to be the case. It's, it's very common. This is an exceedingly common phenomena that if you don't get a grasp upon, you're going to miss helping the people. On the other hand, if you confront these people... They you, run away a they, lot of the absolutely. time. Absolutely. And it's, and it's very hurtful. And they say, my doctor is not a nice guy and he's not trying to help me. And you really have to be very supportive and say, look, I want to figure this out with you. It's sometimes when it's somebody's coping mechanism, when their pain is their coping mechanism. Right. If you take that away from them, you've got to replace it with something else. And they have, a lot of people don't have a lot else. It's a tough, tough situation. Would you like to hear an anecdotal story about that? I have a million in my head, but I'm sure our listeners would love to hear one. There's a woman who hailed from Italy. I had seen her about 10 years ago. She had chronic low back pain, had a surgery, didn't work. Turns out, really did not like her husband, didn't want to get a divorce for religion reasons. Two daughters had moved away. Last daughter is getting married, about to move away. Couldn't move, had to stay home and take care of mom because the dad couldn't. I said to her, and and turns out on questioning her when I sent her to the chronic pain psychologist, taking a good history of the patient, her mom did the same thing when she was in Italy after World War II. Her husband was a GI, was over there, met her, was going to bring her back to the United States. Mom started getting ill. She had to stay with mom. Same thing with her daughter. Now, this is a very nice woman, a grandma. She's in a bad situation where when this last daughter leaves, she's stuck with this man whom she does not love nor like, doesn't want to live with. And if I tell her, look, you're manipulating your environment with your pain, that is very real, a very real phenomenon. It is objectively, relatively objectively measurable, at least subjectively, certainly measurable. Very real pain. If I take away the daughter, take away your pain, take away her daughter, she has nothing left. Well, who's going to win when I sit here and tell her this is what's going on in your life? Is it going to be your daughter or me as your doctor trying to help you? This woman called her congresswoman, who thank God was a patient of mine, and said, this is a horrible doctor. What's this guy doing to me? And never saw her again. So it's a type of Munchausen's, inherited Munchausen's. Non-operative Munchausen's, if you would. (laughs) Sure. And and listen, this is a nice lady. It's common. It's it's amazingly common. Many people manipulate their environment with their pain complaints, and it's it's not really a a conscious thing. It's Uh, not a conscious decision. How much insight does the patient need for you to really make this message kind of understood because the average Joe off the street is not going to accept what you say. Two reasons for that. One is the stigma associated with psychosocial and emotional stressors in life. It's a big roadblock to get by. People can, you can manifest physical symptoms and go to a doc, but you don't, and you can tell your, your coworker in the cubicle next to you, I'm going to see the doc for an ulcer, but you can't go and say, I'm going there because I'm depressed and I ache all over and, and I'm anxious and I hate my job. That's not exactly socially acceptable behavior. The second is the coping mechanism. You, you can't really take it away from the patient. Once you do that, you're, you're right. You have to replace it with something. And it's very hard to change people's lives, almost as hard as it is to have somebody come in and, who's a little bit overweight and out of shape and tell them, you've got to start eating right and exercising. 
And until that first heart attack, they're not going to listen to you. Unfortunately, in, in back pain, there isn't much in terms of a heart attack that you can... Well, it sounds very hopeless. Thank you, Dr. Lanoff. Can you... It is not. It is not. It's very hopeful. It's just making the diagnosis and avoiding aggressive intervention on patients who don't need it and sending them to the right people. You'll find that in patients who do not have life-altering situations, workman's compensation issues, personal injury aside, because those are, from an evidence-based study standpoint, quite different, patients are looking for help. If you steer them in the right direction, you might get them. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Marty Lanoff, for joining us today. He's a board-certified physical medicine rehab and pain specialist and has helped us try to unravel the etiology of chronic low back pain. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For questions or emails, please send your emails or suggestions to xm at reachmd.com. And thanks for listening.